0: Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 John, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I would think by this time, John is probably a fairly old man, and he sounds like it in his writing. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then again, Matthew 13, beginning with verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat last. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last Sunday we began talking about questions your mother asked. And certainly one of the questions my mother asked me was, what in the name of God are you doing? Usually in uh, the very middle of some ill-advised project. Every once in a while, one of our children will mention something that they did while they were a child or or while uh, they was a teenager. And I'm so thankful that I didn't know about it at the time. They weren't particularly secretive, but sometimes they did things that they figured that we would be happier not knowing about. And let me tell you, they were certainly right. Yeah, I did some of those things too. And uh, I failed to, uh, to tell my parents about them. Usually, unfortunately, in my case, someplace right about the middle of when I was doing something, my mother would show up. And she would say... What in the name of God are you doing? Let me tell you. What this world needs is a handbook or an app of mother-satisfying answers. How many times when God goes into his mother mode does he want to ask that same question of his people? of his church, from its very beginning as a a Jewish group, all the way until now when the church is developing south of the equator in Africa and South America and in Asia. How many times? How many times has God wanted to ask that question of his people? After all, the the Crusades were organized by the Western church. And they sought to retake Jerusalem from from the Muslims. But along the way, they discovered the economic advantage of a little uh, purloin, a little uh, grabbing what they could for the sake of Christ. In fact, it wasn't just the uh, Muslims that uh, felt the edge of their sword, but the Eastern Christians too. And it was the the Christian church that came up with the idea of uh, the Inquisition And I guess uh, the bumper sticker in those days could be, burn a heretic for Jesus. Even the Reformation, which was certainly not only good, but necessary for the church, led to the Thirty Years' War. And there, it was Western Christian against Western Christian and they demonstrated that they could burn and purloin right along with the very worst of them. How many times do you think that God cringed as he watched his church? How many times do you think that God wanted to ask his mother question, what in the name of God are you doing? within our own Lutheran church, pretty much the entire time that, uh, that I've been a pastor, there have always been some pastors, some members of, uh, of the church who had to look under every bed and peer into every closet just in case a heretic might be hiding away there. We have spent so much time, so much time making sure that uh, somebody doesn't do something wrong. Notice it's somebody, not me, somebody doing something wrong. Sam Nasker, who probably knows more about the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod than God does, uh, said at, uh, at one point, we spend more time making sure that people who shouldn't get communion don't get it then we spend time making sure that people who need our Lord's sacrament, who need our Lord's communion, do receive it. Jesus told a little story, just like I told a little story to the kids. It was a farming story. He talked about a man who was planting seed in his field. Our translation says wheat so that we understand that it's not a, a row crop with plenty of space uh, in between. And an enemy sows wheat in the field. And as the crops come up, it's obvious that some of those plants really truly don't belong there. And of course the farm workers say, hey, we've got to take care of this. Let's get in there and let's, let's jerk those things up. Yeah, and the, the owner of the field says, wait, wait. In your exuberance to get the weeds out, you are going to do more damage to the, to the good crop. You and your big flat feet are just going to stomp it right into oblivion. Yeah, we always want to get in there and take care of the problems. Our hands itch to jerk the weeds out. And in those times, I hear God's mother voice saying to me, and I can't speak for you, but saying to me, what in the name of God are you doing? Does Jesus say anything goes? It doesn't make any difference? Of course not. Many, many, many times Jesus called people of his day up short and spoke to them sharply. Take, for example, his own disciples. His own disciples were shooing away the mothers who were trying to bring their children. Luke says their infants to Jesus for his blessing. Yeah, go away, go away. Jesus is only interested in in big people, not little short people. And Jesus spoke very sharply to them. Or can you imagine our sweet Jesus going into the temple compound and slamming over the tables, driving out the money changers? because they had made salvation a commercial enterprise. And the scribes and Pharisees he spoke to, especially when they were getting in the way of his message of grace and hope and mercy. And yet, Jesus always seemed to find time for the poor stumbling soul who really needed to hear the word of God's mercy. The Samaritan woman, by the well, whose uh, morals were not exemplary, he had time for her. The uh, centurion who was worried about his slave. Jesus had time for him. Jesus had time to die on the cross for a bunch of people who didn't deserve the time of day from God. Jesus had time. Time for God's people. But it's more than pulling out weeds. The parable was also talking about the good seed and protecting the good seed, the wheat that was coming up so that it wouldn't be destroyed and damaged. And God's people today still have the same kind of responsibility. We have a responsibility to make sure that uh, people in our community And throughout the world, hear the message of God's grace. As Chris mentioned a while ago, this coming Saturday, we are going to, some members of of one of our life group are going to have a, a thank you barbecue for the first responders in our area. And don't be surprised if you see a helicopter landing on our lawn simply to say, thank you to people who have done things for us. And part of our responsibility as Christians is to support those things in our community which work for the best of the people of our community. And that is down to voting and helping to get out the vote so that People who are going to care about the people of our community are elected. That is our response to our Lord's command to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize, teach, starting right here. The other side of the coin is. We need to take care of the household of faith for all who join us to sing the songs of worship and praise. We need to stop and say a prayer for those people who are hurting, who are sick, who who have special needs. We need to, to drop a note, write a letter, send an email to people that we know that need just a word of encouragement. I know that there is a, is a whole network of people within this congregation that look after each other in the good sense of the word. Reminds me of a, of a woman in my first civilian congregation who had cancer. And a member of the congregation called her at seven o'clock in the morning and said, Are you up? Are you okay? Do you need anything? Can I run to the store for you? We need to be aware of each other's needs. We need to be willing to care for the people who are sitting around us. You may have heard me say this once before, or twice before, or even more. A buddy of mine, Jim Roseman, had one sermon. I was doing a Bible class for him, and I, I said to the, to the group of people, what's pastor's sermon going to be about this Sunday? The entire Bible class said, grace and service One of the ladies turned to her husband and said, I thought we were the only ones that noticed he only had one sermon. He dressed it up differently each Sunday. But it was the same. And I asked him about it one time, and he said, yes, but can you think of a better message to tell people that Jesus Christ suffered and died for them? And because Jesus Christ suffered and died for them, We need to respond in love to our Lord and take care of the people around us. Jesus Christ did suffer and die for you and for me. God created us in his image. And when the people of our community look at us they should see the reflection of God in everything that we do. So, what in the name of God are you doing? Amen.